This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 129 with Gina Lofton. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and today's show we're going to look at security-based lending. My guest today on the show is author, investor, and inspirational entrepreneur, Gina Lofton. Gina transformed her life from homeless in South Central Los Angeles to owning over 2,000 rental units today. Gina was a guest on episode 54, and in episode 54, she touched on a very powerful strategy called security-based lending. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into this a little bit further and give it a closer look. Now, the strategy of security-based lending involves leveraging your stock portfolio to buy more cash-flowing businesses and assets. According to Wells Fargo, a security baseline of credit helps you to meet your liquidity needs by unlocking the value of your investments. This type of borrowing may be easier to obtain and more cost-effective than other alternatives. It depends on whether you have sufficient eligible securities to use as collateral. Some of the advantages of security-based borrowing include access to cash when you need it, typically lower rates than other forms of credit, no setup, non-use, or cancellation fees, and the ability to borrow between 50% to 95% of your eligible assets depending on the collateral and type of credit you receive. The line of credit can be used for many purposes, including real estate purchases and investing in business opportunities. You can use non-purpose securities-based line of credit for any purpose except to purchase, carry, or trade securities refinance or repay a margin loan or repay any other loan used for security purposes. A margin account is the only securities-based line of credit you may use to purchase securities. I'm very excited to dive more into the strategy with Gina as she uses it in her own life to acquire more cash-flowing businesses and assets. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at mclobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at joinopsproperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry, and International Coffee Farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. 
For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can also grab a free audio book download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audio book download at cashflowninjabook.com. I'm honored to have Gina Lofton on the show with me again. Gina, welcome back. Thank you so much. Good to be here again. Can you please share a little bit about your background with my new listeners that are not is not familiar with Gina Lofton? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just kind of briefly, I was working uh, as a highly paid employee building um, a number of different assets, one be it a... Um, a TV company you might have heard of called Direct TV, and we sold it to AT&T about two or two years ago, 2015. But at the same time, I was building other assets, i.e. real estate and oil and gas and intellectual property and uh, digital business, and um, was able to um, have my passive income exceed my expenses. So I did not need a job. And just so happens that it's the most it's a much more tax efficient way to earn your income um, versus having your income be a active income or um, ordinary income. So I generate everything through passive income, real estate, oil and gas investments. Fantastic. Well, Gina, in your previous uh, in the previous time that you were on the show, you and I had a fantastic conversation around mindset, about uh, cash flow strategies. And one strategy that you had mentioned that piqued the interest of my listeners and some of my clients was the strategy of security-based lending, also known as stock loans, stock-secured financing, of how you can leverage a stock portfolio uh, to have dollars work in multiple, multiple places for you at the same time. Can you share with my listeners what exactly uh, is security-based lending? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a good place to, to start. So all of us know as investors, we're often um, kind of reach our limit of available cash that we can do deals in. At least this is where I found myself, even though, um, you know, I, I was saving a lot of money, um, but it's still at some point you run out of cash. So you need to look at your entire balance sheet and figure out how you can actually um, kind of unwind some of your assets, be that, let's just say, stock. So if you have stock in a regular, you know, let's just say brokerage account, be that, you know, Morgan Stanley or Charles Schwab or any of those you know, big names like that, you can generally take a loan out against that stock. So for example, let's just say if you have a, you know, a, a portfolio of $100,000, you can take up to, usually it's about 65% of that as a loan. And the beautiful thing about this is that um, a couple of things. One is you don't have to sell that stock, Right. So I was being compensated in um, direct TV stock. So I had no incentive. I, I did not want to sell the stock when I am directly responsible for driving the business and the value of the stock higher, i.e., you know, we ended up selling it to AT&T for 95 bucks a share. So therefore, I didn't want to ever sell the stock. If you don't want to sell the stock, then your best option is to potentially leverage 
the stock. Now, a lot of these brokerage companies, such as Morgan Stanley, they don't tell you about the product, and that's unfortunate um, that they don't. Um, but all of them have this type of product, and the benefits of the product are um, a number of them. One is you're borrowing from the stock, so therefore you're not selling that stock that's going up in value. Two is because you're not selling the stock, there's no capital gains that is going to be a negative impact on your tax issues, right? Um, so if you sell a stock for a higher cost than what you actually were um, either given it or purchased it from, you, you, are, you have to pay a capital gains tax. Well, you don't want to have to pay a capital gains tax on that stock. So that's the other um, benefit of being able to leverage this part of your balance sheet. And last but not least is that it is kind of a unsecured or it's secured against your assets, your stock portfolio, but it doesn't come out on your credit report. So, for example, let's just say if you have a mortgage or a credit card or auto loan or any of the other loans that are, you know, in, in mainstream lending world, this type of loan does not appear on your credit report. So, i.e., you know, your FICO score. So that's not, it doesn't negatively impact your FICO score, which is a really good thing because, you know, if you're using debt, which I use debt a lot to get wealthy on, and you want to be in debt, smart debt, uh, you know, for example, buying a, a property using mortgage debt at four or five percent and um so when you're borrowing money you want to make sure that you have a very strong FICO score and any credit that's um you know could be outstanding against you it could adversely impact your credit score so that's the um the other benefit i'm sorry i'm very um passionate about this topic mc and a little long-winded so feel free to chime in and, and stop me anywhere no i love it and just i'm just as passionate uh about financial education as you are as well so i'm loving this so you said a couple of things the one thing is uh, let's talk about the loan it's a non-recourse loan is what i'm gathering well, no, the loan is the loan is against your portfolio of stock. So if you didn't pay back your loan and the loan the interest rate is normally tiered, let's talk a little bit about that because the more you borrow, the lower the interest rate. Okay. So they actually encourage you to borrow more by um enticing you with a lower interest rate. Um now the if you don't pay the loan back, what they will do is sell your securities, right? So if it's, okay. you know, let's just say you have a security of stock that's like XYZ stock, you will lose that stock that you have secured against the loan. So the stock is the, the security. Okay. And for the interest for to, to, to get this loan, let's talk about the process of getting the loan. So you apply for it. You had mentioned up to 65%. And again, um, many companies have different loan-to-value ratios, and there's obviously other variables that play into that. But 65%, let's say, is what of the value of your store, stock portfolio that you can qualify for a loan for. Do they do a credit check on you? Uh, is the loan application kind of rigorous? Um, well, how quickly can you get the money from the application to having the money available? Uh, available? What has your experience been? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. This is the easiest loan you will ever get in your life. 
Um, from that's been my experience. It's just, you know, filling out a couple of pieces of paper and um, signing it. And then, you know, the, the stock is already there. So think of it as you have a portfolio of shares. Let's just say it's $100,000 of shares. And these can't be penny stocks either, because there's a lot of you know, I invest in all kinds of different things. You know, I have obviously the Wall Street normal kind of um, dividend-paying stocks, such as an AT&T. That is an easy stock to do this with. Whereas a stock that I might have that's traded on the TSX, which is a mining company that um, you know, a little bit higher risk, they're not going to actually allow this. But those you know, large companies that are traded on the NYSE or NASDAQ um, that are stable, they're pretty standard. They're going to uh, allow you to, you know, fill out a piece of paper and it's called a, either an asset back, an asset backed lending um, facility. Um, any of these terms it will probably be, you know, they'll, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. You want to just apply for a loan against your portfolio stock. That's it. Gotcha. And um, and their products, you know, their the naming conventions and their nomenclature can be different for each one of these institutions. But all of them have that. All of them have this product. And if you find yourself with your stock is in one that doesn't have it, then I suggest that you move your your portfolio somewhere else. I use Morgan Stanley, and that's who I use that has it. Gotcha. Now, the the loan applications quick, uh, nice and easy. Sixty five percent of the loan to to value ratio is what you're getting. Um, what are some of the loan terms? And you mentioned interest rates. Uh, in some of the research that I've done, it's between between two and a half and four and a half percent. So it's relatively low. Are there any specific loan terms uh, that we should be aware of? How do you pay the interest? Is it paid monthly? Is it paid quarterly? Is it paid annually? Is just the interest due? Uh, can you share a little bit more about that? Yes, yeah, no, um, good question. It is, um, it's paid monthly, and it is just interest only, and you can balloon at any time you see fit. You could, it's kind of a, re, it, it works just like a revolving line of credit, right? And okay. that's exactly what it is. So let's just say if you have a stock portfolio of $100,000, and therefore if it's a 65% loan to value, you can use $65,000 of that. Now, you can if you if the interest rate is 4%, then you're just paying that interest only every single month in perpetuity at which time you can pay back the 65,000 or a portion of it. I'm always using that and I'm drawing down on it because many times I'm using it to for a um, a working capital account, right? Right. I'm borrowing I'm borrowing against that for different deals that I'm doing. So it might be a real estate deal, it might be an oil and gas deal, it might God knows what kind of deal it could be. But I'm I am always using that credit facility for various reasons. It might even be as simple as paying my taxes for the year, right? Right. And, yeah, I, I the point the key is is that I don't want to Sell an asset such as a stock where I have a it's a highly a high likelihood that it's going to go up in value. 
right? Especially when I am directly responsible for making it go up in value. Number one. Number two is I don't want to sell that stock and be hit with a capital gains tax. Because then that's going to further hurt me. I don't, you know, taxes for high income earners, be that, you know, an active, when you're making money as a W-2, you're being taxed at least at 40% at a federal level and another 10% on top of that, depending on what state you live in and maybe more. So 50% or more is going to taxes already. So you have to figure out how to minimize your taxes as well as utilizing your balance sheet in order to generate more um, tax efficient types of income. Right? Exactly. And it and it's it and it captures the 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 wealth in your own personal economy as well because you just used an example of paying your taxes. For instance, if you just went into your bank account and cut a check for the taxes and mailed that in, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. But now you've leveraged the stock, your money's doing two different things at the same time. It's still in the stock, which you can impact directly. And then you've leveraged it to pay the taxes and then pay it back to yourself. So that at least you have something to show for it by uh, implementing a strategy such as this. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, you know, the ideal scenario is using that line to generate income, right? Right. Um, then it's, you know, that that's, at the end of the day, the entire um, world, here's the thing, MC, and this is what I want to stress to your listeners, is that ever since 2008, when Obama was put into the White House, interest rates went down to zero. At which time, all of the world has gotten very wealthy with them printing money. So the Federal Reserve has printed money. When Obama went into the White House, we had a little less than $10 trillion worth of debt. When Trump was inaugurated in January, that debt in the U.S. was $20 trillion. So therefore, they have printed you know, 100% more money than what we started with in less than a decade. And if you don't know how to effectively use debt today, you will not be able to stay afloat. And I'm very, very serious about this. If you must be able to use debt, all of corporate America or the majority of corporate America has issued debt in order to buy back their shares. Or they've issued debt in order to buy a company i.e. AT&T issued debt in order to buy DirecTV. And they bought an asset. So if you're able to use debt to buy assets, that's what, you know, that's what the whole game is about, right? But people have this misconception about debt, that debt is bad. Well, normal debt is bad. I mean, consumer debt is bad. But using debt to buy assets, that's what, the game that's what that's what the game is exactly. money is debt <laughs> but people were taught these horrible things save your money and get out of debt yet they will borrow for a liability a car or a boat or a motorcycle or a house i don't get it right right use debt to buy an asset 
And that's how it works. And once I figured this out, and then the tax piece, the debt and the taxes, then it was like game on. I'm, I, I understand. And this is, this is what is not taught in our school system. And what if anyone is a like Robert Kiyosaki kind of follower or listener, this is what he's talking about is debt and taxes, right? right. Mortgage debt, debt, just understanding debt and utilizing debt. The rich get rich with debt and, 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 and using it in order to buy assets and then they pay less in taxes, right? I mean, that's right. why Donald Trump is, you know, sitting there and he's saying it's smart not to pay taxes. And I agree, right? Just use a tax code in order to minimize your tax liability because if you're doing things that the government wants you to do, and that's to provide jobs and housing, then you're given rewards, i.e. tax breaks. It's not a loophole or anything like that. So back to the, the, the line of credit or the, you know, the asset-based loan, use that you know, to buy assets. That's, the, that's the, the creme de la creme, in my um, opinion. And then whatever additional income that you have coming in from that asset, is used to actually pay down the line. No, that's fantastic. And I agree with you so much on debt. And that, for our listeners listening, this requires you to invest in yourself as much as you can and educate yourself and study because uh, you're going to have to raise that financial IQ to be able to utilize debt to create assets and cash flow. So this is something that, and it's a lifelong process of studying and a commitment to it. So you have to make a decision. You know how the game is played now. Gina's told you how the game works. <laughs> you know, you have to, and once you figure out what the rules of the game are, you have to try and figure out how to play as best as you can following those rules. Because as Gina has pointed out, the reward at the end of the day is extremely powerful. And as a producer and a creator, you're creating jobs for other people through companies that you, that you create or assets that you create. You're creating housing. Um, and those are the people that will be rewarded and that the rules are written for. Yep, exactly. And just one other point for the listeners that are out there. Okay, here's the thing. If your taxes constitute 50% of your income, which is true if you make it on the left side of the quadrant, either an employee or self-employed, and if housing is 30%, right, which is probably pretty conservative, I would argue that it's higher, but let's just say 30%. And food and utilities and everything else is 20%. You are at 100%. You cannot save your way to retirement. You must reduce your taxes and use debt in order to generate income. There is no other way. If you have, again, I will repeat, 50% of your income goes to taxes, 30% is housing, and 20% is everything else, such as food and utilities. You are at 100%. Once I figured this out, I'm at 100%. It's impossible to save. That's the point. It's impossible. You must do it this way. 
if you earn your income as an employee or self-employed person and make yourself go over to the right side of the quadrant as a business owner, i.e. our our investor. You're listening to Gina Lofton on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to Gina Lofton on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. Now, Gina, to get back to this strategy, I'm just looking at some questions here that clients and listeners had forwarded to me. So just to recap, this is a stock portfolio that you can uh, borrow against and get a loan up to 65% of the value of the stock portfolio. Um, the application process is pretty smooth and very easy. It's not grueling. Um, it's not like borrowing money against a qualified retirement plan where you basically have to have your blood drawn. Um, it's fairly easy. And then from there on, the loan terms um, that you also explained too, there's different variable interest rates. There's different things that impact that. Um, there are different loan terms available. And then there's interest-only payments, so you can use this as a line of credit. Now, some of the other questions then from there on, a little bit more technical uh, that some listeners had and, and clients. So would all securities qualify for this? Can you, is, is, are in your portfolio, would all the stocks that you have in there qualify to be used in this manner? Or are there certain, uh, stocks or portfolios that do not qualify for this? Yeah. Um, very good question, MC. And, um, not all stocks qualify for it. And I gave an example of when they don't earlier um, in our conversation regarding like junior mining companies, those would not qualify just because of the volatility of those types of stocks. I mean, they're penny stocks, right? That's exactly what they are. They're high risk. Um, Those would not qualify. So the stocks that would be best suited for this, if, you know, for your broker will probably, you know, its standard protocol will be those kind of, you know, Fortune 1000 companies that are, you know, within your portfolio, the Microsoft, the AT&Ts, the GMs, the Fords, you know, Chrysler, those you know, traditional companies, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all of those companies that are kind of your bread and butter companies should be no problem. 
Okay. And then the other the other question was, so it's then moved because – and I've read some of this in the research as well um, – that the securities that you have then that can be used as collateral for this, as you've mentioned, very, very low volatility stocks, very stable stocks that, that earn dividends, blue chip stocks, are they then transferred into a, a holding company? And the overall value, I think, is determined from them just from the research over two or three days, which they then call the strike price. Um, but I think my question then from there on is, do you still get once the, the, the portfolio and your securities has moved into this holding company, you still get to participate in the dividends, right, and the growth of this stock? Yeah, so let's let's just kind of um, step back for a moment because this um, it's not transferred anywhere. It's just in my brokerage account. So the shares stay right there. Let's just say it's a hundred thousand dollars of, you know, AT&T stock. They stay right there. They don't go anywhere. There okay. is no transfer. It is just the, there is another um, account that is kind of a sister account to my account that is representative of the loan. So think of it as like a, home equity line of credit against your, you know, your primary residence, for example. Okay. I mean, if that, that, that's probably an easier way to think about it, that it's just against that asset that you have, but it's a lot easier than, you know, getting a home equity line of credit because that's based on income and not the, the asset, be that the house. It's based on your income and ability to repay it. So there is no qualification like you would do with a home equity line of credit. Gotcha. Because gotcha. they're going to take your asset. They'll, they'll sell the stock. They won't, you know, they already, they have it. It's very, it is a liquid asset, right? So it's very easy for them to, they don't need to go through a foreclosure process like they do a house or, you know, a car or something like that. They own the share. The shares are in there or in with them, right? So it's, they have the most security. It's it's a very secure risk, and they're only allowing you to borrow up to sixty five percent. And with AT and T stock, like I have, which pays about a five percent dividend, if you think about it, it's actually paying the the line. It's, it's paying the interest itself. Very interesting. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even using the income from the asset I'm creating. I, I'm not using, yeah, when I borrow because it's a, a dividend-paying stock and AT&T has such a high dividend payment, that dividend is actually exceeds the monthly payment that I am paying back on my line. So it's a no-brainer because I'm not even using the asset that I created to pay it back. It's paying itself back. I mean, I'm still getting the dividend payment, you know, obviously every quarter because that's when dividends are paid. But the dollar amount, let's just say if it's $4,000 a month, you know, it's a quarterly payment. So it would be $12,000 a quarter. But let's just say we divide that times, you know, three months, then that's about what, $4,000 a month. Right. And if I'm getting $4,000 a month in a dividend payment and my interest is 1500 
I'm still up by 2,500 bucks. Right? Yes. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So if it's a dividend paying stock, I am actually going to have a conversation with Morgan Stanley to be quite honest with you about taking my line of the, the loan, the value higher instead of a standard 65%. I want it to be higher. Right. Right. Just because the risk is, there is no risk for them. Right. The other question that I had for the owner of the portfolio, so are you, are you allowed to trade then because it's not put in a separate uh, account, as you said? Or So c- potentially, I'm just thinking risk management here. If there is a, a downturn or an event or something that there's a little bit of a drop in the value of your portfolio, are you still able to trade in it um, and utilize stop losses or other risk management strategies? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't do that uh, because I'm not a stock person like that, at least not for those blue chip type of stock. Okay. Um, I might do that in a, another type of portfolio, such as a mining. You know, I have a portfolio for that stuff. This is that, you know, you're not, I don't trade in and out of a dividend high, you know, uh, a growth, a dividend growth stock like that it's kind of my bread and butter right right Right. yeah so i personally don't do that and if you are that type of you know trader like that then i would suggest that one you still need to make sure that whatever you're doing on that daily trading thing doesn't exceed the 65 percent right right or whatever the percentage is. Um, It's just a lot of volatility and moving parts, or maybe, you know, maybe have a separate portfolio that you trade in and another separate portfolio for this kind of stuff. So you're not in violation of that threshold because I don't ever, I don't even come close to the threshold just because I, I like to sleep at night. Right. I'm not a, you know, I don't, I don't like, being so close to things until I'm nervous. I completely understand. Uh, the other question that I had too, so from a, a scenario uh, looking at all sides of the coin, right, as uh, educator and, and mentor Robert Kaisaki would say, there's always three sides to a coin, heads, tails, and the edge. Um, worst case scenario, there's the, the, the stock values go down a lot. Um, what what does it look like in in the event of the default? The uh, brokerage house then takes over the stocks that was used as collateral for this loan from you. Exactly, and and for your listeners that are stock traders, and it's all it is is a margin account, but but safer in my opinion. So really all your, instead of, you know, a lot of stock traders, they're trading on margin, right? right? They're, they're using their margin to buy more stock. So I just, instead of me using that to buy more stock, I use it to buy real assets that I control. Right. Now, that's very interesting that you mentioned the margin, too, because uh, I 
just from uh, reading a little bit around this topic too, there is a risk management strategy, and um, and maybe you can share a little bit of this. If the value goes down, um, there is an opportunity to add then money in there so that the loan does not go into default, just like a margin account. Correct. Exactly. So you could always, you know, if the if the market just opens up. You know, if the day before you are at a 64% loan to value, let's just say, and the threshold is 65%, and let's just say you wake up tomorrow morning and that stock value went down to where it caused your loan to value to go up above the threshold at 67%, you could always put cash in it. You know, that's the risk management piece of it. If you want to look at it like that, or you do it like I do it. I don't ever let mine get up that high. Gotcha. I don't take it to a 60, you know, I don't even take it to a 60%. Um, I, you know, I don't, um, you have to be really good with managing debt, right? So I don't ever go overboard with leverage. And that is financial education. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not for, it's for, it's for, you know, either investing in an asset that you know is going to be a good deal that you are going to generate some income from within a relatively short period of time, right? Be that real estate, oil and gas, or, you know, whatever investment that, that comes your way. I don't, when I get deals coming to me, I don't like to have to say no. So I will find the money if it's a deal. And this is a way that I find money on my own balance sheet. It is also a way that I might be, I might just do a real estate transaction and a deal. And I don't need to bring in a partner because I have my own balance sheet. I could use some deals. I don't want partners in. Because, you know, I need to move up. I have to pull the trigger too fast. I have to do things too quickly. Or maybe I maybe I do want a partner, but I can't, you know, find the partner in time. So I may want to use this credit. It's just a credit facility for me. Just like any company that your listeners work for. The companies in which your, you know, your your listeners work for, they have credit facilities. And they either use it for investment or they use it for working capital. All companies do. So, and they're smart about it. And we as individuals that are trying to go from, let's just say, the employee or self-employed person to the right side of the quadrant, the business or investor, you have to begin to look at things as, you know, a company would. Because you're very comfortable with taking out a loan for a you know a motorcycle or a car, right? Right. Which is to me even more risky because those things don't generate revenue, right? Exactly. I like to t- I like to use debt to buy assets, not to buy liabilities. Exactly. No, I had a mentor years ago say, if you take on debt, make sure somebody else is paying for it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, that That is the key. That's the key. Always make sure someone else is paying for it. And it's, it's for cash flow management. And if you, if you don't, you know, for me, for example, for direct TV, 
I was building a company called Direct TV. And that stock went from $25 to $95 a share. And when we sold it to at t at 95, obviously I never wanted to sell that stock because I am directly responsible as a team. You know, everyone, well, everyone there was for building the company. Therefore, why would I ever want to sell the stock? All people that are getting compensated and stock as part of their salary, they are owners of the company. Here's another thing that's really important that listeners need to understand because I see this a lot with employees that are not looking at themselves as owners. You are an owner that is being compensated with stock and you are responsible for building the value of the company. Therefore, if that is true, and that's your responsibility, and this is how you have to look at it, that you are an owner, why should you ever want to sell the shares? Right? Right. You shouldn't. You should. Exactly. So if, and that's many people in, you know, these middle or upper management positions in corporate America are being compensated in stock. Part of their compensation is, you know, either grants or options or, you know, one or both. Um, therefore, you want to make sure you hold on to that asset because you are building it, right? Right. And <laughs> well, so most so do I. I. I wanted to hold on to the asset. The sad part about it is that these brokers like Morgan Stanley don't tell you about the product. And it's to me, I think it's very unfortunate and it's unfair that they don't tell you about this product. Because, in my opinion, they don't tell you about it because they don't make money off of it. They rather sell the shares than have you just pay them a 4% interest-only loan, right? Right. They have no incentive to help you become financially free. It's all about them. And I, you know, that's the sad, you know, the sad situation about it. They should tell you all of their list of products, right? Absolutely. Whatever that is. And then you have the option of whether or not you're going to get the product. But when they intentionally keep this away from clients or customers, they're putting them at a disadvantage. And they call themselves financial advisors, which I think is very, very pathetic. No, it is. It's almost criminal. And that's what I keep saying to my listeners as well. When you meet with a financial professional or a broker or anyone or any of these financial institutions, banking institutions, really, really think for yourself, are they educating me or are they selling me? And if they're not educating you, force them to educate you. Tell me about this. How does this work? What else do you have? You know, go through the whole thing and challenge them. And also, always, always, always remember that you are the steward steward of your ship and the captain of your ship. You're in charge. You're in control. Um, and you need to direct salespeople and financial professionals. It should not be the other way around. They should not steer and lead you. You have your life and your vision and your goal, and you need to direct and find the moving parts, which do include some of these brokerage houses and financial professionals to help you achieve your goals. Exactly. 
And if you're, there's just, I'm going to digress for a little bit here, but there's a new law that the Labor Department passed last year called the Put Your Customers First Law for all of those kind of administrators of your pensions and your 401ks and your retirement portfolios, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's supposed to go into effect um, this spring of 2017, notwithstanding Trump kind of you know, actually overriding the ruling. But you have to ask yourself, if the 401ks were introduced in 1980, why did it take 26 years for them to invent a put your customers first law? They should have been putting their customers first back in 1980. And could it be the reason why all of the seniors today are needing to take reverse mortgages for them to be able to sustain their lifestyles. I would argue, there's no proof of this, but I would argue that is exactly why a lot of seniors are not able to make it today because they have not been putting their customers first, which is pathetic. It should be criminal. They should be in jail for it. No, absolutely. And I would definitely like to look at the details of that bill too, because just <laughs> in my experience, when somebody even says that, put your customer first, there's, uh, there's probably something else inside that bill, just like there was, uh, in the Pension Protection Act, which did nothing to really protect it in 2006. So be very, very wary of this. Um, and just remember the more education that you have, the more that you invest in yourself, the more you can navigate these waters and these oceans that we operate in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yes, MC, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of um, talking a lot of different topics, but I think it's all germane to the listeners. And um, feel free to ask any other questions about the the asset-based lending and get me back on track. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And I think we cover, covered that. Um, I think many, many lessons from that strategy, extremely powerful, just another way to find multiple uses for money in your personal economy. We've shared infinite banking on the show. We've shared uh, this asset-based lending. We've uh, shared a HELOC strategy. So it's all many different creative ways of finding more uses for the same dollar in your own economy. Gina, thank you so much. You have uh, so much education that you put out there and provide so much value. And for listeners that want to find out more about it, you do have all of this information and video and in course format available for them to learn more. Where can they find out, find out more about it? Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, they could come to my website, which is passiveincomeadvisors.com. And I do have, um, you know, a book I wrote called Escape the Madness, The 10 Steps to Get Out of the Rat Race, which is on Amazon or my website, as well as other courses that, um, you know, many, many um, people actually come out and get some of it is free, some of it is paid for. But um, I do welcome all of your listeners to to access the website, passiveincomeadvisors.com. Fantastic. PassiveIncomeAdvisors.com. There's a wealth of information on there. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's fantastic having you on again. And I learned so much from you. I'm honored to have you on. Um, and thank you for providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you, MC. I'm um, great sharing everything. 
Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Gina Lofton, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I could provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing, to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314 799 2247. Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 